podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Before the new season of Jonathan Pierce and Terry Alderson, the football friendly, something you might have missed. Here's another chance to hear the episode with Kevin Day and Liz Strong. And don't forget to flick through our back catalogue for episodes with Matt Upson, Paul Robinson, Ray Lewington, Pat Nevin, Laura Bassett, Graham Lasso, Motti and more. We've got guests. We've got guests. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, shall I go with mine first? Yeah, go on then. World of showbiz and comedy. This man, ladies and gentlemen, is a, is a pioneer in the world of stand-up comedy. He's a man who uh, I've always looked up to. He's not that much older than me, but uh, he started before me. Uh, and when I met him, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, you're real. Uh, that's how excited I was. He's got his own podcast, The Price of Football, which is brilliant as well. That's well worth a listen. And he's a Palace fan, and he's a good friend of both of ours. It's Kevin Day. Hello, oh, oh, wonderful. What a lovely man as well. What a lovely, lovely man. Kevin Day. Yeah, a lovely fellow. Yeah, not, not so lovely now, because it's always nice to welcome a Palace fan with Eric Cantona launching into an attack <laughs> of Palace fans. It's, it's almost like that was pre-planned. Well, yeah, yeah. My, 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 my guess is actually much older than me. Much, much older oh, than come me. On. Come <laughs> on. Yeah. Born in a distant dawn of time. I don't uh, look was, it. He was a fantastic fullback at Fulham and Brentford and Crystal Palace yeah. as well. And um, he is an international manager, which you'll talk about later on in the podcast, I hope. Ooh. And um, he was part of the Fulham team that went to Wembley in the FA Cup final, although injury stopped him playing there. And he was part of that great football club when there was more and best and Mullers was there as well and and uh, Rodney Marsh. And it's Les Strong, everybody. Hello, everyone. Les. Great to see you all. Yeah, we saw you on the pitch. We saw you on the pitch the other day, match the day, caught you looking very fit there. I know it was a sad day, wasn't it? Because you were paying tribute to George Cohen. It was, yeah. Um, George was my my youth team manager. And um, so I was absolutely delighted to be asked to go on the pitch and uh, pay tribute to him. Um, George signed me when I was 16 years old. And uh, I went for a trial and... uh, he said, um, what position do you play, son? I said, I'm a scheming, goal-scoring <laughs> midfield player, Mr. Cohen. He said, oh, fantastic. We need one of those. So I went out and at halftime, he called me over. He said, look, I've got to be honest, son. He said, you won't make it there. He said, can you play anywhere else? I said, well, I'm not bad on the wing, right wing, left wing. He said, oh, great. So I went out and 15 minutes later, he called me over. He said, you won't make it there, son. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, have you tried left back? I said, I'm right footed. He said, don't worry, no one will ever notice. (laughs) (laughs) I played 440 games as a professional as a right footed left back due to George Cohen. So I'm absolutely delighted to, to go on the pitch and pay tribute to him. He was one of the best. He was one of the best fullbacks. I think he was the best right back at sixty six, wasn't he? Was he voted the best right back? Well, no, sixty six. I mean, he was fantastic. And yeah. George Best uh, was quoted as saying that he was the best and the hardest fullback he ever played against. So that's some compliment. I spent the day with um, George for much of the day too, and it was one of the most interesting days mm. of my life. He was fantastic. I've met seriously. I've met. I've been lucky enough. I've met the, the Charlton brothers. I've met Hurst. I met Martin Peters. Uh, I've met about seven of that, and they're all they're all lovely people. Jack Charlton's fantastic, but George Cohen was the first one where I felt I was getting some real insight rather than just telling me the the normal stories, the after dinner mm. speech stories. Mm. I spent the day. It was fantastic about his love for Fulham, about the early days training on the terraces, about <clears throat> how much more easy it was to be a one club man that day. It's a, it's a fan, and they were naming this lounge after him, which is why we were there. And then at the end of the game, we're all having a drink together in the posh pit of the, of the ground. And for some reason, there was a, a, a group of German journalists there in the executive lounge. And one of them was Henning Wein, German stand-up comedian. Oh, yeah, Henning. And a man obsessed with football, he used to be a football journalist. I thought, well, I've got to introduce Henning Wein to, to George Cohen. So, and you know what a nice man, George. And I, I brought Henning over and I said to George Cohen, uh, George, this is, this is Henning Vine. He's, he's my friend. He's a football mad, obsessive. Uh, and, and Henning went, and Terry will know how bad an impression this is. <laughs> Henning, it's very nice to meet you, Mr. Cohen. <laughs> and, and, George, and George just looked up. He put his drink down, looked up. He just went, oh, German, are you? <laughs> and Henning went, yeah. And, and George Cohen just went, 1966, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and... And Henning, who's quite abrasive, yeah. and you could just see all the emotions yeah. going through Henning's face. You could see him thinking, well, he's an older gentleman. He's, I, I'm in his patch. I'm surrounded by posh people. And Henning went, <laughs> well, thank you very much for not saying 1945 as well. <laughs> and, then, and also, you didn't call me Austrian. So, so then, George, and then George thought that was hilarious. So the next, George then he spent the next hour talking about football and about Germany. Let's, were, you, were you playing at Palace that day when... George Best broke Ian Evans' leg. I was, yeah. yeah. Uh, was... He went over the top, didn't he, Best? Yeah, unfortunately, he, he, he did. I thought, yeah. George, I've said George yeah. Best is my idol. He's my absolute idol. I've had the pleasure yeah. to meet. But that day, but that Fulham team. I mean, that yeah, not just a brilliant team, but as a glamorous team as well. That one, wasn't it? Well, it was incredible. We, um, I mean, I sort of got used to uh, great players coming to Fulham. Alan Mullery came, of course, in the um, yeah. early 70s. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, let's, let's, let's not go, let's not go <laughs> as far as great. Let's, let's... Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, it's a uh, great player, I said. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. And then Moro came yeah. um, uh, early, early 75, I think, or 74. And so we were sort of used to it, really. But when... Best and uh, uh, Marshy turned up. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, we, yeah. we were like we were like a touring team. We didn't yeah. train much. We'd um, <laughs> we'd we'd play game on a Saturday. We'd, we'd fly off to Sweden on a Monday, if you like. Um, play an exhibition game on a Tuesday. Fly back Wednesday and uh, have Thursday off. And Friday didn't do much. So we were sort of going around the, the around Europe playing exhibition matches because of, purely because of George and Rodney. And uh, uh, what was Rodney like? Because I got the ump of him once. I interviewed him when he said he was better than Bestie. 
And I'm oh, normally I'm very polite, and I had to say to him, Rodney, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree you know with you. That, that I found it with Rodney was he, he was great on his own. Where I, if times yeah. I worked with Rodney, he was great one on one. He was you thought, oh, you're you know, not. And then once people would turn up, you'd be going, hold on a second, really? he, he, he would just show off. You'd yeah. be going, yeah. and he'd become he put, a bit bitchy to you. You'd be going, hold on, we were best mates too. Yeah. He puts a bit of a show on Rodney. I'm good friends with Rodney, but when he first, um, he does do that. Yeah. Uh, when I, when <laughs> he does, he, doesn't he? I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're not wrong. When um, he, he, he he first came, the first day's training, he called me over. He went, look, he said, I've seen you play. He said, then when you get the ball, <laughs> just ahead. just give it to me and just give it to Mark, uh, Rod uh, to Bestie. He said, we'll get on with it. I went, oh, fine. So we uh, the first game we played Bristol City, I think it was, and um, we. <laughs> he said, "He said, I oh, know, yeah. Sorry about that, Jonathan." But he said, "I'll hit the line, just knock me the ball." So I looked up and knocked him a thirty-yard ball. It landed a foot to his right, and he just watched it go out of play. I thought, "Blimey, I must have put a spin on that." And anyway, next time I looked up, he was there, knocked him a thirty-yard ball, landed a little bit to his left, and he watched that go out of play. Went on the whole of the first half. He didn't try. He didn't try one leg. Went six inches over his head. He just watched it go out of play. Anyway, we're getting at half-time. Bobby Campbell was our manager. He said, uh, Les, you're knocking Rodney some lovely balls. Well done. Keep it up. Rodney, you're a little bit static out there on the line. He said, let's have you moving around a bit. You know, come inside. Les can knock you the ball. Get him behind a fullback. Les can knock you the ball. He said, move around a bit, Rodney. You're a bit static. He said, boss, if he can't find me when I'm standing still, he'll never find me if I'm moving. Thanks, Rodney. Oh, Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Rodney. I found a, a team. You're you're Fulham eleven here, and Rodney doesn't even make it. Wow! I found it wow. online. I found it online, Les. He doesn't even what, make your team. What's which, the team? Uh, you got Schwarzer in goal. You got you got uh, Langley, <laughs> Hangland, Moore, Cohen, Mullery, Hayes, Best, Barrett, Leggett. Is it? Was it Leggett? Yeah, Leggett. No. Davis. Is that not you then? Someone's put uh, it up online and they've. Hold they've, on. It says, it look, Les Strong's been. best 11, it says. And there's yeah. a photo of you from about 90. I don't know, but you look, you're looking dishy. You've yeah. got long black hair. <laughs> oh. I, I did have, yeah. Long, long black curly hair. Funny, yeah. when, you see, when you see supporters from, from the old days, they go, oh, what's happened to your hair? I said, well, you know, I have had it cut and it's gone grey. I mean, they expect you to have the same haircut. That's the mad not, thing, not, isn't it? When you don't, you see someone you haven't seen from school since, like yeah. you know, for forty years, and then you yeah. see this like middle-aged man standing in front of you, but yeah. the same kid. <laughs> Terry, you go, it's, what? It's, it's slightly depressing, Terry. That out of the four of us, Jonathan Pierce is the one with the full head of hair. Yeah, yes. it, it he slipped is. down to his face, though. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for all those yeah. that can't see, he's got a beard on. He's got a beard. On. We've already done the Father Christmas stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't tell that one again. Where were you the weekend, Jonathan Pierce? Oh, um, where was I at the weekend? Oh, I was at Ch- I was at Chillingham, mm. Chillingham against uh, Leicester City in the FA Cup. Oh, been that was a tight game. Years wasn't it? years. it was a tight game. It was blustery, and and uh, they played well, Chillingham, really, considering they're ninety second in the league. Yeah. And uh, I met up again with Neil Harris, who I've got a lot of uh, time for. Um, yeah, I said to him, in the, we were in the tunnel beforehand, and uh, he was saying about one of his players, Adelica, and he went, Adelica, Adelica, and he won't mind, he won't mind what you're saying. I went, no, Neil, you can't nowadays. I said, if you get a name wrong, everyone comes down on you like a ton of bricks. I said, you can't say anything wrong anymore. I said, for example, 
there's no way we could call you Bomber anymore. Uh, people, Bomber Harris referred to, mm-hmm. his nickname in the game referred back to the, the, the Second World War um, <clears throat> RAF man. And I said to Neil, we couldn't, and he's gone, why? I said, it would, it would upset too many people. I said, you can't do it. And he goes, you're having a laugh. And I went, no, you cannot say anything. I mean, that Cantona thing that we start the podcast with, I I very much doubt I would get away with that yeah, now. Yeah, I yeah. would very much doubt it. Bomber, um, but, uh, Neil Harris needs to look up Bomber Harris, doesn't he? He probably doesn't even know what Bomber <laughs> Harris is. No, he knew, he knew, he knew. Oh, he, he did know, yeah. yeah. He went a bit yeah. gun-o for people yeah. who don't know. It, it, it's funny, you know, um, I remember, because uh, I've done a few Millwall shops in the Cup in recent years. I did them uh, playing Everton. I did them playing Leicester, uh, Watford, Bournemouth, teams like that, games like that. And, and when Neil was there as manager, and I remember being in the tunnel and Troy Deeney came in when Watford played them. You know, you have to have a team to go to a Millwall and and be prepared to do a job. Otherwise, you can fall apart. Anyway, Troy's walked in and he's rolled his eyes as he comes past me. And I went, you're not playing? And he went, no. And I said, you'll lose. <laughs> and he went, yes. <laughs> and they did. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and Neil had a team that was up and at him there. And he had a team on Saturday that was up and at him. And I think they'll score, they, they've scored seven goals in the league. It's the worst ever tally of any English yeah. side by now. And um, they will get them, I think. I think they'll have a little run and they'll be okay. It was funny, though, the the Brad Gallinson, the new owner, I don't know if you watched it, but at halftime he came on and did an interview with Alex Scott. And he said, yeah, I was up in London yesterday and I was talking to a guy and the guy said, uh, you the fella that's taken over Gillingham, that, that sleeping giant. <laughs> <laughs> they want to get a scaffolding down first. <laughs> <laughs> they've, had five, they've had five years in the second tier. That is... That's it. I have to say that as a an away fan, um, you know, goes to some grounds. Um, that has got to be the most scariest uh, seating arrangement in any football league. How is that still allowed? Yeah. Is it still there? Yeah, it obviously is. my team. The Brian Moore. The Brian Moore. The Brian Moore stand. That's called God bless Brian Moore. Mm. Yeah, he was my, he was one of my heroes. You know, one of my heroes, Brian. He was a lovely man, lovely football man. And they named the stand after him. He was a Gillingham director, but it's That's it's sorry. But it's a terrible stand. They need to put put that back together. Uh, could we say about um, John Lanker? John Lanker. That's a good, uh, nice uh, tribute to him, isn't it? John Lanker Viali. Uh, it's a sh- terrible shame about Viali. Yeah. Yeah, we were, t- we, were talking about, we were talking about not not so long ago, weren't we? And um, yeah, you see, you did, we brought it up on another podcast, guys, and we were yeah. saying about him not being uh, well again with this terrible pancreatic cancer, and of course. He was lovely, you know, he was a lovely man and uh, he was a very um, dignified man, a very gentle person. Um, and the players say that when he went there, you know, he, this is a Juventus European champion. Um, this is a player who's understanding with Mancini up top for Sampdoria when they won the title, which is a bit like Leicester winning the title. It was unbelievable. But the Chelsea players say he just came in as one of them. And uh, I, had a, I had a fantastic story on the radio, Frank Sinclair was saying, about Luca Viali, he used to go in the dressing room and he'd uh, he'd strip, start bollock naked, and then he'd he'd put his socks on, his shin pads on, and then he'd put his socks on, and then he'd he'd put his tie ups on, and then he'd put his boots on, and then he'd sit down for a long while in his dressing room with just that on and everything else hanging out. And he said, Frank Sinclair said, didn't know where to look, but he was he was. Um, he was a wonderful footballer, wasn't he, boys? And oh. he was a lovely man, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was very, very saddened. Is it pains Kevin to say that was quite a team at that time, wasn't it? Oh, it was a fantastic. I, I interviewed uh, Viali once, and he was a, an absolute gentleman, but the, the 
Chelsea press officer who introduced me said, oh, he's a Palace fan. And Viali just wanted to talk about how good Lombardo was. Just just spent oh, yeah. an hour telling me that Lombardo was a better player than, than he was, which was oh, a, mark of, a mark of his dignity. And, and well, I mean, mm. what a player. I mean, Chelsea as well, I've had some brilliant time. I mean, Zola when he was at Chelsea, what a oh. player he was. But like, yeah. I mean, the only, there's no consolation to anyone when a player like that dies. But the only tiny, tiny consolation, same with Pele, is that you know you're going to get two days of seeing some brilliant memories. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's the same with, I mean, point. some of those goals, there was a, one of the goals, a, a volley, Juventus dipping over his left shoulder. He didn't even look at it. He, how he knew the ball was going to land there was mm. it, was it, it's probably he knew it was a less strong pass, maybe. So he knew he was going to fall in front of it. It's just, uh, and I, also, I didn't realise, again, Terry, it's that terrible thing when somebody younger than you yeah. passes like that as well. You just think that's not. That's not. It's not right. You know. No, no. It's, yeah. it's, it's a. Very, it's a very. It's been. I mean, it's been a weird old end again. Isn't it? It's a bit of a 2016 yeah. sort of yeah, yeah. culling yeah. Uh, of greatness. Should I say the, the, the picture that I, I I enjoyed? One of the pictures I enjoyed seeing again of Viali on the montages was the the Chomzo game, uh, which I commentated on for Channel Five, I think it was, and. Um, Remember, it was really bleak snow. It was terrible, yeah. and there was a there was a belt of snow. The the commentary box was very high on a banked side sta- stand, uncovered. So there was a belt of snow that came in underneath the commentary box between me and the pitch, and um, every now and oh, oh, every now and uh, yeah. he, look at that yeah, face. Every, every now and then he stops. <laughs> look at that. We're gonna have to pick this up. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, look at that fu- I've got to get a photo of that well until we get him back I could say I did run the half marathon in Tromso did you? yeah did you? Mid- was, midnight was J- sun midnight sun wow. marathon yeah it was, was a fantastic yeah. was JP place. was JP there he does a bit of marathon running doesn't he? yeah but he stopped he stopped just after two yards he did like he yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did, was, yeah. that, was that terrible year he got beaten by the bloke in the diving costume didn't he? <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. The geezer just yeah, that's brilliant. It took about two months. <laughs> that's brilliant, Kev. Yeah, well, let's tell us tell us about oh sorry, tell us about um tell us about Mauritius, actually. Didn't you manage Mauritius? Uh no, I I managed um Anguilla in a the bit Caribbean. Of Mauritius. Yeah, and uh, I I managed a, a a club team out there. A friend of mine um uh who's Mauritian I went to school with, he bought a football club. And um, he asked me if I could go out and, and coach the team. I thought about it for about three seconds and went, <laughs> what, what time is a flight, you know? And uh, I was out there for, for quite a while and um, we, we won the, the cup for the first time and got qualified for the African Cup Women's Cup. And um, it, it's great. So my two coaching jobs, one is Anguilla in the Caribbean and one was Mauritius. So uh, I'm, I'm waiting around for the next job. I did you apply... Got- Oh, I did. Sorry. I, I did apply once for. Um, I've forgotten the name of the team now. They they got beat thirty six nil by Australia. Um, what, an and, international oh, team. Of, yeah, it's one of the yeah. islands. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, and uh, Cook I, Islands I, or something like that. Wasn't it? It, it wasn't the Cook Islands. Something like that. And yeah. um, I, I wrote to them. I, uh, I couldn't quite. Didn't have the address on it. So I just wrote whoever it was. <laughs> South Pacific. And uh, <laughs> I said I'm used to taking teams that are not very good and and making them quite good. W- would you be interested? Well, I never got a reply. Uh, you just got more, more sun. That's what. You yeah, yeah, yeah. More yeah. sun. A friend of mine, Les, managed um, Grenada. Oh yeah. For, for yeah. three years, and he said, yeah. "I mean, it's the most amazing experience, lifestyle-wise." But he said the the, the different. You forget. It's like. 
It's like sometimes Man U fans will forget that Orient fans love their club as much as they love Man United. And, and the, the Orient fans or Accrington Stanley fans or South End fans are just as passionate. And they said it's the same out there. The only difference is scale. There's, there's not that many of them and you haven't got the, the decent players, but the, the passion and the commitment is just the same for these these small countries as it is for, for the, the countries that we're used to watching and, and supporting, which I, I thought was a, a really interesting thing to hear. And he said, you just have to get used to the fact that in training, they can't do things that you perhaps mm. could have done yourself. You know. Well, it, it was amazing. When I went out, I got the job in Anguilla. Um, uh, I used to have the catering at Fulham and uh, a lady worked for me, went out to Anguilla with her husband. He worked for Cable and Wireless anyway. When I sold my pub and et cetera, and I, I said, oh, I'm going to go out there. It was uh, maybe a couple of months holiday. So I'm, I'm out there. They've got six teams on the island. It's 10 miles by three approximately. Yeah. And I'm watching the game and the fella sidles up to me and he said, oh, he said, I said, what's your place? I lived in Slough. <laughs> I said, oh, oh, really? Yeah. He said, um, I'm the president of the Football Association. I don't suppose you fancy coaching our national football team, do you? I said, really? It's just like that. I said, really? I said, how have you been getting on? He said, we've never won or drawn a game in our history. Wow. I said, I said I'll take it. I, stayed, <laughs> yeah. I never went home. I stayed three years. <laughs> well, you had nothing to lose, did you? Well, no, exactly, yeah. But, well, you know, just the, go for it. Let's, let's, of, of all the managers that you played under, who was the one that you, you thought you'd copy when you became a manager? Who oh, that's a one? good question, that one, Kev. Um... I was probably more like um, Malcolm McDonald, I suppose, really. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't particularly like the, the, the setting up uh, sessions, etc. but I thought I could motivate players into uh, to, to performing. Um, he was very much like Alex Stock. Alex Stock was, was a, a great man-manager, didn't ever take training sessions, really. We had Bill Taylor as a coach to start with, um, ex-England coach. Um, and I built dodging earlier on. Uh, Bobby Campbell was was probably less of a, a good man manager, but a, an excellent coach. So I, I, I had a variation. I saw them all off, really. Uh, variation. <laughs> <laughs> what was Super out. Mac like? Was he all right? Was he then? Oh, fantastic, Super Mac. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I bet um, it was a giggle. Yeah, it really was. It was a you know we had some strange things happen at Fulham really in the in the seventies and eighties. But Malcolm was a commercial manager. Was he? And uh, yeah, he was Fulham's commercial manager. He had nothing to do with football. And uh, Bobby Campbell got sacked, and um, uh, our chairman Ernie Clay gave him the job. And Malcolm took over, and he brought in uh, Roger Thompson, who was at Arsenal. And after that, he brought in Geordie Armstrong um, wow. to help coach him. So we had Geordie Armstrong there as well, who didn't particularly like me himself and uh, Tony Gale because we were always messing around. He was a bit oh, serious. Gailey messing around. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I don't believe that ever. But uh, but we drove we drove Malcolm McDonald absolutely potty. We had uh, I'll just tell you one quick story. We had um, we had a coach driver called Alan, and we used to have our team meetings away from home. We used to have it in in someone's one of the players' rooms, and. Um, and the coach driver come up to me and Gailey one day. He said, I'd love to listen to your to team talk. And we said, yeah, we'll sit at the back, you know, keep quiet, don't, don't make yourself busy. And uh, so Mountain's come into the room and, okay, boys, we've got a team meeting today. Let's say we play in Newcastle. Uh, we're at Newcastle today and he looked at the back and he could see the coach driver. <laughs> and he, he didn't say anything, but he carried on with a team talk. And afterwards he went, okay, everyone, see you down, downstairs. He said, Gailey, strongly, you two stay here. I want to have a chat with you. He said, what the hell is a coach driver doing in our team? <laughs> Alan. 
I said, well, li- I said, well, listen, Mal. I said, he's a nice lad. I said, you know, and he was interested. I don't want him in here again. He said, we've got to be more professional on this. So me and Gailey went, oh, all right. And then, anyway, two weeks later, we got another away game and Alan, the coach driver's come up again. He went, any chance of uh, coming in the team? I said, oh, listen, now. I said, the manager had the right hand. I said, but I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going, you go into the bathroom, take your shoes off and sit in the bath and we'll leave the door open. <laughs> I said, so you can listen to us. He went, oh, fine. So me and Gailey took his shoes, we put it over by the curtains, closed the curtains so the shoes are sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> and Mal- Malcolm's come in, he's gone, he's looked around, I know what he's thinking, he's looked around, he's oh great, there's no coach driver. So he's carried on with his team talk and me and Gailey are sitting there and we're nodding our heads over towards the, the curtains. And he sort of looked over and he could see the shoes. He went, right, I told you to. And he went over and he pulled the curtain back. <laughs> and all it was was a pair of shoes. Yeah, love so, it. <laughs> so he's, he's in the bath. And he's, he's in the bath, yeah. He's in the bath. But we did have a laugh with him. Did he still have the whiskers on? I, I remember, you know, every, every year around this time, we see Hereford beating Newcastle. Yeah, One yeah. of the greatest FA Cup memories. But one of my favourite bits is there's, a, there's a, a, a shot right at the end of Malcolm McDonald's reaction. And you, you think he, he must have the ump, but you can't tell because you can only see his eyes because of the, the sideburns. They are yeah. the biggest. It looks like yeah. he's got. They, it's been incredible. They were. They didn't have him when he was when he was manager now. But um, but he, you know he was a fantastic man manager, Malcolm. And we got promoted with him uh, in the first season, uh, playing excellent football. I mean, we did have a good, decent team. He, he, he got Ray. He, he gave Ray Houghton his uh, his chance. He, he was. He was in uh, West Ham. He was playing for West Ham, and um, we got him on a free transfer, believe it or not, in 1982. He was a good and uh, a fantastic player, right? Yeah. So, who's, uh, your ma- who's your manager at Palace? Was it Mullery who brought you to Palace? Mullery brought me to Palace, but I, I was I played for South London, and um, I was I, we all joined Palace when I was 14. I joined Palace when I was 14. Bert Head oh. was there, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, Arthur Rose in charge of the kids, and. Um, uh, uh, Mel Blythe was used to coach us um, uh, along with others. I forgot their names now. But um, and then when I was fifteen, Arthur Rowe came up and told me. I said, oh, it, uh, it "Don't look like it's going to be your game, son," and let me go. And um, but when I made my debut at Fulham, I fantastic. I mean, really, I was only a fourteen-year-old kid training on a Tuesday and Thursday. And he sent a letter to Fulham and and said, "I'm delighted that uh, you made it. We all make mistakes, and but good luck in your career." Which oh, I thought was a, a real nice, classy mm. touch. Mm. We well, might uh, see, just just over my left shoulder. One of the presents I got for Christmas from my son was a program for the for John Sewell's testimonial. Oh right, yeah, in oh, 1971, yeah, and, and when, when Palace on Boxing Day, and David Payne was in the pub before, and who played in that testimonial. So yeah, that's fantastic. Was, really? so, yeah. Bert, I mean, Bert Head's policy. You you weren't Scottish enough for Bert Head. That was a trouble. <laughs> I was too young anyway. But, yeah. but but then when um, uh, then when I was coming towards the end at Fulham and Alan Mullery took over at, at Palace and said, "Did I want to come?" and and I jumped at the chance really, for just to go back and so my career could go full so I think I only played seven games really but Vince Lair was there Jim Cannon oh, great player. Uh, yeah, yeah big nose gill but I'm going to have to stop I'm going to have to stop this chat for a minute because we've got to go for a break Jonathan's back but we got to go oh okay. <laughs> alright <laughs> JP&T the football friendly Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. It's easy to get lost in the latest true crime podcast. Or your favorite binge-worthy show. But what about your own story? That's the most important story of all. And therapy helps you write it. BetterHelp Therapy is 100% online and designed to be convenient and flexible enough to squeeze in between the next episode on your list. Get started today at BetterHelp.com slash pause for 10% off your first month. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. I just met Alan Mullery's first game, Les, when he was appointed manager. I've never seen a manager booed on in his first, <laughs> in his first game. <laughs> and, you know, because we played, we played Tottenham in 2016 in, uh, I think it was the fifth round of the FA Cup, away at White Hart Lane. Uh, and we were in the away end, and some bright spark at BT Sport thought, oh, Alan Mullery, he, played for, he, he managed Palace, and he played for Tottenham. Let's get him in front of the Palace fans for an interview. After there was four thousand of us, and we're going, and we couldn't believe our luck. He's going, he's he's bringing him our way. He's, <laughs> he's still coming our way. <laughs> just, and you may remember he he threw Alan Mullery. This all started in the, in the, the game against Brighton in '75. He threw coins in, in the Palace end, and I, I don't condone this behaviour. But for the three seconds he was in front of us, this, this old bloke threw a handful of coins at Alan Mullery, and everyone went, "There's no need for that, mate." He went, "He fucking started it." <laughs> <laughs> and he was a, he was he was the worst he was a shocker he was the worst manager we ever had but he he, he, he didn't he, even it didn't even occur to him that he shouldn't have joined the club he was terrible yeah, yeah. was it was it was he worse than lombardo's translator or the, uh, oh, remember for about five day, days in that awful period lombardo and brolin <clears throat> yeah, and then they, and then when they left, they had the translator, and he was he was yeah. he was a cook, wasn't he? He was I think a, he was a, a chef. And we're not even sure he was a translator. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> Kev, it was a it was a blonde kid you had there uh, from Finland. I think it was Finnish, and he was a bit of a joker. Real uh, well, we had Mikael Forsell. Yeah. We had uh, you talk about left backs. I mean, we we had some brilliant left backs. Kenny no, Sanchez, I'm just saying it was. I just remember a time I was yeah. when when Les 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 Ferdinand, not Les Strong, used to do uh, used to do the Sunday show. Do you remember the Sunday? Oh yeah. Show? Um, oh, sorry, the midfield player. Um, oh. Oh. Is it Real Arti? Aki Real Aki Yeah. We I we Kevin would have done this show as well. We let's get comedians on. We used to do Sunday football chat thing, London football. And I remember going on with him once and he me and him got the giggles so yeah. badly. He's hilarious, that kid. Yeah, he's a good player as well. So, yeah, he was a great player. And he, he starts giggling, getting higher and higher pitched. <laughs> and I could, all I can remember is Les Ferdinand just sitting there like, you know what Les is like? He's just sitting there looking at it going, what, what are you laughing at? 
And then they, I remember we had, to, we had to go to break and everything, and they're coming on going, you've got to stop laughing, of course, when you tell us that. So we're live only on London. It's only London regional thing, but... Oh my God, he's hilarious, that kid. Yeah. I couldn't look at him. It started off with him talking about eating cake or something, or he used to bake cakes and bring cakes in or something to the to the team. It was something as silly, innocuous as that, yeah. and we were gone, man. I'd love to find it. Anyway, sorry to cut in on that Palace chat. No, that was where did you go, Jonathan? Sorry, where did you go? Did you, go? you left us. Uh, did you were mid, uh, mid-story about yeah, snowstorms and... Yeah. Probably, oh. went for, probably went for a pie. I went for a 10-mile run. <laughs> I went for a 10-mile mile run. run. <laughs> and then uh, I'm back with you now. Yeah, yeah we'll... we'll, we'll um... Recap your story. Go on. Go, start. Go on. You were snow drifting. Yeah. Every now and again in that game against Tromso, because of the snow belt, the only player I could see, because he'd rise in the penalty area to head it, he scored two goals that day, was Gianluca Viali. I couldn't see the players and for a lot of it we were sort of making it up and so I love seeing pictures of, of that uh, of, of Luca Viali that day by the way because um, I didn't do the radio I was doing the television and Steve Wilson did the commentary for the radio um, and Capital weren't best pleased that their two commentators had left the country um, but he worked with Jody Morris in the commentary box and uh, the legend that has Steve tells a story it's his story to tell really but um, Jody was untrained as a co-commentator let's just say and every time Chelsea went close you know Steve was oh if you hit the far post oh he's just missed yeah oh fucking hell <laughs> come on Luca and then you know, oh, the referee sent him off his fucking diabolical that challenge so Steve had to say a couple of times yeah just just, <laughs> just, just rein it in a little bit Jody can I ask you a question Jonathan yeah because it's something I've always been intrigued about. How, how different is it commentating on a TV game and a radio oh. game? Is it just a question of not saying as much on Good. TV? No, Talking, Kevin. What a question yeah. that is. Radio, you have to paint the pictures. I love. I love. You know, one of the reasons I love watching you lot stand up is your use of language and um, the different ways that different stand ups use use language in their in their routines Can't i say love, than that then i love our language <laughs> i love our language and it, that's why i love radio because mm. you paint pictures with words to describe the scenes and the emotions and yeah, Kevin's brilliant at that. you you have to be because you have to transport the radio listeners to into their little through their little transistor radios or their car radios mm. to the ground and you do that by creating the picture in their mind through the words television you you can't you can't use words like that because oh. they can already see it so you use words for a different in a different way and you and you're trying to explain things uh in a, in a slightly different way and um yeah you leave more gaps um and you, you you're supposed to qualify the pictures you're seeing rather than explain the pictures you're seeing okay. that's the theory but oh. um yes yeah, so, i mean sometimes the modern style as well uh, of TV commentary has changed, Kevin, because uh, if you just left all the gaps now, if you go back and watch uh, a match in a day or a big match from years ago, then they, then they leave huge gaps. Yeah. You wouldn't get away with that now. People, people, would, people would get their phones out and do other things on their phones. Mm. You've got to keep them engaged. So if you, did, if you did it old school, there'd be complaints. I mean, there's always complaints. There's always complaints. Well, the, the, most, the most old school, when I, you know, I, I realise that any 23-year-olds listening to this would be googling like a mad thing to find out who we're talking about but David Coleman he would literally just say the name of the player yeah I mean there was that famous Tottenham goal he just goes Chivers Peters Mallory Chivers goal that's it and it's it's 
It, it would, I mean, but they didn't have pundits with them, though, did they? It was just one commentator at no, the time and, as well. And so. Also, they didn't have as many cameras in the grounds. There's now so uh, many cameras, yeah, of course, of course. so many different camera angles, um, super slow-mos and all these sorts. It has, it's changed drastically since I've been doing the telly. I started doing the telly on Sky. Um, I was so successful as a Sky TV commentator. <laughs> I did... Um, well, that would be the two games then. And uh, and then that was it. They took me off that and put me on something else. Uh, yeah, goals, too, on, goals on Sunday I did. Yeah, and you were too, good for, too good, good for Sky. Too good for Sky. But I do love the radio, I have to admit. I do, I'm do. i doing radio tonight. I'm doing Oxford against Arsenal on the radio, on radio 5, so I'm looking forward to it. I like radio as well. I find, do you find radio exciting, Kev? I, 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 I would say I li- live, radio. live radio is probably my favourite thing yeah. to do. It's I, great, I, isn't it? I... I I don't know what it is about Ray. I don't know. If it's, I don't think it's an age thing. I just because I loved it uh, right from the start. Mm. There's just something about the intimacies, but because people concentrate when they're listening to radio, I find it. And people, it's somehow harder to tune into a radio program than it is to find a TV show. If you know, what I mean. so you know that the people listening are there deliberately. Mm. And, and when it's live as well, there's something about that extra little bit of adrenaline when it's live. And I just. I just find people who do radio slightly more enthusiastic about it as well because yeah. most of them, the, the days are long gone at, at Radio 4, for example, when the people who were there are there because they couldn't do telly and they were cross about it. Now you've got people who just want to do, you know, people like Hawksby and Jacobs, who I think are fantastic, still underrated broadcasters. They love doing radio and they're very good at it. Yeah. And they create this lovely environment. It's, it's a, a bit like this where you... You're meant to start off talking about one thing, and then 45 yeah. minutes later, you're talking about mm. Les in, in Anguilla at being approached by a strange man in a bar, and it it just feels <laughs> comfortable and, and nice. And if this was live, it would be even better. Do you know what I mean? And it, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or it is live. It is live. Well, it is live. Yeah, you know what I mean, but, but I think not, podcasts, <laughs> pod, podcasts, which I think incidentally are the most. Dem- I think podcasts are the most brilliant thing to happen to broadcasting for years because they're the most democratic thing because everyone can start a podcast mm. and it's amazing the things you but people become I find really protective and defend you know, the, the listeners we have on, on the price of football they won't listen to anything else and they'll get cross if anybody else tries to talk about what well, we're once people discover a podcast they they just love it they just embrace mm. it mm. And, they, and they just they get so passionate about it so you've got to listen to this you've got to listen and I, I think that I think the world of podcasting is brilliant I think it's, it's yeah. great because you look there are so many things that I've learned through someone recommends some random podcast about kettles. You go, I might have a listen to that. And you go, this bloke knows his kettles, doesn't he? Yeah. He knows his kettles, this fella. The the, the nine people who listen to this podcast are glued to it every week. We're kicking now. We're kicking it now. Um, Don't go down that route. I am. Smashing it. I owe so much to radio. And it's, I don't know why it is, whether or not they're, but the people are more receptive to speak to people from from radio. I don't know, but uh, back in the in the capital days, we, you know, we got friendly with so many people, yeah. the, the capital team, and you know, we talked about George earlier on. Um, I remember being at QPR um, on a Tuesday. I might have told this story before on the podcast, and you couldn't do this if you were from television, because especially nowadays with social <clears> media. And I guess George might not have been able to do it anyway, but. I was at QPR and we finished the, we were coming up to finish the program. We were about to hit the phone in and uh, a, a lad who used to work for Queen's Park Rangers um, uh, called Paul Master, he used to be on the, on the, on the commercial uh, side of it. His dad was a, uh, Roger, Kevin, he used to be a director at the Palace. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. and um, Paul's come up to me and said, um, can you come and sit with George? He's down in the, 
in the sponsors' lounge, no one's there with him. Everyone's a little bit daunted by him. So I went down, and George was there, and I I had a bottle of Budweiser. George had a bottle of champagne. <laughs> I had a second bottle of Budweiser. George had a second bottle of champagne. <laughs> and uh, that was a Tuesday night, right? I got back on the Thursday. No idea. To this day, absolutely no idea. I came back boot, booted and suited, which was strange because I never went out with a suit on. But anyway, I have no idea. And uh, I met him very shortly before he, he passed. Uh, we were at Gatwick Airport, funny enough, in the lounge there and waiting to go. Just the ordinary departure lounge, nothing fancy. And George came up and we were talking about it. And uh, I was laughing and I said, where do we go? No idea. Yeah. Nah. George didn't have a clue either. What a wonderful yeah. player, though. What, and, you know, and, and meeting um, George Cohen, Back to him on on the on the radio and and uh, we did an hour's phoning with George at Capital. Tony Gale, uh, we know so well, was in on the phoning and uh, anyway, throughout this phoning, George kept calling me. He got my name wrong. He kept calling me Jeremy. <laughs> so uh, right as he goes on, he kept calling me Jeremy, and I I didn't I didn't want to correct him. It was George Cohen for God's sake. Anyway, so but I can see Gailey and see the twinkle in his eye right? yeah. as this goes on. He never said anything. Yeah. And then right at the end of the program, he said cheerio, to George, and I said cheerio, see, see you later, Gailey. So yeah, see you later, Jezza. <laughs> and from that moment to this, years later, he calls me Jezza. He doesn't That's call right. me Jezza. <laughs> Well, well, Bobby Robson, of course, is famous for um, getting people's names wrong. He used to call me Jeff, as as in Jeff Strong, who played for Liverpool. I never corrected him for for the ten odd years I I knew him. Hello, hello, young Jeff. How are you? Oh, not too bad, thanks, Bob. Yeah. Well, I find Lineker tells a story about Stuart Pearce getting out because Bobby Robson would refer to him as the number three. He said, what, what do you do, number three? And after about three seasons, Stuart Pierce did this funny thing and he stood up and went, for the love of God, I've been playing with you. Stuart Pierce. it's not a difficult name, Stuart Pearce. And he sat down and Bobby just looked at the other players and went, number three's got the umpany. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> in the... In the game before uh, England played Ireland in, in Stuttgart in 88, right, they yeah. did the press conferences and um, Bobby came in first and he's gone... Uh, he's gone... Uh, Number one, uh, Shilton. Uh, number two, Gary uh, uh, Stevens of, of uh, Everton. Oh no, Tottenham. On Tottenham, and Joe Mellin put his hand up and gone. Uh, not in the squad. Uh, Viv Anderson, <laughs> not in the squad, Bob. Uh, oh, the other Gary Stevens. Anyway, he's gone through the team race. He's getting them all wrong, right? And then that—that's that, one thing. He goes out, and then Jack Charlton comes in in goal. Oh. The lad, uh, the lad who uh, he gets the helicopter back to Donegal. Uh, Packy Bonner, yeah, that's him. Uh, Centre half, Manchester United drinks a lot. <laughs> Paul McGrath, that's him. Anyway, oh, he, it was fantastic. It was, it was, everyone was laughing. It was brilliant, brilliant. Mm. There we go, proper characters. And I was lucky enough to meet him through the yeah. through the radio. And we do we we see Gailey a lot, don't we? Strongly, we don't get many words in edgeways with him. We do. Gailey's uh, Gailey's fantastic company, isn't he? We all know him, and uh, but he was a good player as well. And that we and we sort of um, overlooked that because he's so large. And we you know we talk about how many pies he eats and uh, this, that, and the other. But he was a good player, Gailey, and he's good good mates of ours, really. Les, can, I ask, can I ask you, Les, because yeah. I, I don't think <coughs> every club has got a legendary manager and, and you talk to Newcastle fans, Newcastle players in particular, it's always Bobby Robson is the one they always come back to as the, their, their legend. Was there a manager that you would have run through a brick wall for? Was there a manager that you would have absolutely done anything? Because you hear a lot of players talk about Neil Warnock in that way. A lot of players don't like him. 
but the ones who do say they would have done anything for him. Did you have Did you have one like that? I'd run for a brick wall for all of them when they gave me a contract. So, right. was, um, <laughs> you know. um, Alex Stock of Malcolm McDonald really is really yes. the one that uh, he, he wasn't very good. As I said, he wasn't very good at putting on sessions, but he was so nice. We 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 would have run for a brick wall for him. Um, but all of them really, you know, all had their their faults in some ways and but you know um, I respected all my managers um, and I thought they were all good in different ways yeah. um, Alex Stock was an absolute gentleman you couldn't meet a, a nicer fella and um, was, was quite successful really I mean, he took us to Wembley of course in 75 um, uh, and we also got to the um, Anglo-Scottish Cup final Wow! I, play, I had two cup finals that year. Uh, one I missed through injury, and the other one I scored an own goal. So I'm not very good at cup finals. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, Les. Would you yeah. rather play for a manager that is nice and friendly and you all get on with, or someone you're all, you know, shit scared of? Fear uh, of God. What's well, the I'd better run. kind Bo- of manager? Bobby Campbell was was like that. Um, Bobby Campbell, uh, on the face of it, you know, would, would bully players really. Um, but um, he was a good coach and I liked him. I didn't mind him. Um, he, um, my mum used to, we used to train at Roehampton. And my mum and dad used to live at the back of Roehampton and uh, there was a, a wire fence. She'd actually come out of her house, walk about 10 yards and, and watch us train. And Bob deliberately chose that uh, pitch in the morning uh, because my mum would make him a bacon sandwich and a cup of tea. <laughs> and... <laughs> And Bob dismantled the seventy-five cup team. I mean, he got rid of everybody, and I was yeah. the last. I was the last one standing. And he called me up one day. He said, "I want to. I want you halfway through the season. So I want to see you come up my office." I thought, well, "That's it. I'm on my way." And um, he went right. You can see what I'm doing here. He said, um, and um, I've got to be honest. I've tried to sell him, and I've had no luck. Uh, and my head started to drop. He went, and I've tried to give you away. He said, and nobody wants you. <laughs> He said, but your mum makes the best bacon sandwich I've ever had. Sign that four-year contract. Get out of here, and I don't want to see you again. So I think that was his way of saying uh, you're not a bad player. That's lovely. Yeah. Say it to you, yeah. Yeah. I remember Dave Webb being like that. Dave Webb was a, was a bit of a taskmaster, but he'd have a laugh with you, but he'd kick you up the arse at the same time. Webb I actually there. did my managers like that. I, yeah, I, you know, yeah. Some players really couldn't handle it, and, uh, <clears throat> and, but I didn't mind it. No. He used to poke me in the chest and I said, he used to go around the team and uh, point the players, you, you're useless, yeah, yeah. they don't know what you're doing, come up here and he poked me in the chest and I said, Bob, give me a bollock and I said, but don't poke me in the chest and he moved on to the next player and then the next game he'd do the same, start po- pointing at players, he'd look at me and he'd go, oh, <laughs> wave me on as if uh, <laughs> you're not going to listen to anything I say anyway, so, you know, um, but uh, great coach, great coach, you know, they all, all as I say, they all had, uh, all had their the pluses and minuses. Some people are very lucky to meet uh, to or to have met uh, the great and late Pele, but some people here on this conversation have played against him in a professional match. Am I right there, Les? Uh, well, it's interesting that um, <laughs> Santos were on a world tour. I was nineteen, and um, <laughs> Santos were on a world tour, and uh, we were told that Santos were coming to play. And not only did Pele play that day, uh, Edu. Carlos Alberto, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. and, and they all played. Um, wow. I was I was actually number seven in those days, believe it or not. I think I made my first twenty odd, played my first twenty odd games on the wing, um, so I wasn't going to be marking him. Um, we won two one. Um, Pele scored a penalty against Peter Meller. Peter Meller brought him down. Um, but what was interesting, and you go back over records, is that um, 
I mean, they were getting, they were playing, they played Plymouth after us. Yeah, so they did. Three days after that, they played Plymouth. Yeah. Um, and before we played, they got the ump because we had more crowd there than they thought, and they wanted more money. Oh. And we refused. We refused it. And um, when they went to Plymouth, and um, Plymouth apparently had nearly forty thousand there to watch them. And um, Santos said, "Well, we're not going out unless you give us another two and a half grand." And um, you can look it up. And the, and the chairman at the time had to rummage round trying to find two and a half grand in readies and give it to them before they stepped out on the pitch. That so, sounds like Avalon, that does. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here, so, let's tell me this. So, tell me this. What? Do, do, it's just something I would like to know. You've been at the Fulham, as all Fulham fans will know, you've been there for, forever and a day. Uh, a great servant, not just as a player, but also you're still there, loving the club. What was it like, Al Fired coming in? And changing everything is that is that exactly what happened? I mean, was it? Yeah. A, I remember going there as a Southend fan, being freezing cold. Uh, they beat us in the cup. We were Championship. I think Fulham were third division. We, we got completely turned over, and there was no one there. Then cut to a fire coming in, and now look at Fulham. Well, it was um, you know just after I left. I think it's about eighty three, um, and the season the se- that season we should have got promoted under Malcolm McDonald, and, and if you remember Derby supporters on the pitch kicking the players Um, Mm. and from that moment we started to um, get rid of all our good players um, bringing on the kids the kids were decent um, no doubt about it but we ended up going down the leagues and ended up I think maybe looked like getting out of the football league we were sort of languishing around the bottom of division four Um, Al Fayed came in and and at that stage you know Fulham looked like closing I mean, we we, had, we were we were sharing the ground with QPR at one stage, you know, and we looked like we were on our way out. Now Fired came in, ploughed money into it. Um, I was with Kevin Keegan just a, a, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about it. Our, um, he, he said I went up to our Fired and um, and said, "Can I see you? I want to talk about a player." And he said, "He said, oh, can I see you? I want to I want to have a chat." He said, "Is it football related?" He said, yes. He said, that's your job. So don't bring that to me again. He said, you take care of it. So he left the managers in charge. You know, he, he gave them a free reign. He ploughed money into the club. He said that we will be promoted to the uh, Premier League within five years. That happened. And, um, you know, he was a good chairman for us, really. You know, he, he's uh, as well as the one we have now. I mean, they, they put their money where their mouth is. And, um, you know, as you know, uh, as you all know, Jonathan, more than anyone, money talks nowadays. And, you know, you're not going to be successful without plenty of money. Um, but the yeah, Al-Fayed that, era started that, that regime off for Fulham. That, that away end at Fulham in those days that Terry's talking about, not only did the toilet not have a roof, yeah, the, the, walls right. were so, the walls were so low that while you were having a pee, you could watch the, 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 the yep. boats on the river. Yep. That's how bad it was. But there's something about, even now, as somebody like me who loves the history of football, there's something about going to Fulham, mm. especially for an evening game. You cross into the bishops, you get into the. Uh, you, you can almost smell the woodbine, and it's almost like the, yeah. you can imagine it. It's like the fifties, you know. I mean, and it's. I, I hope they don't change that under the new people with the new stand because there is something about there's a magic about that for people who love, who love the game and who love football because there's so many solar stadiums now out of mm. town that bear no relation to the, the, the ground they used to play in. So. It's always a pleasure to go back. It's, it's a bit annoying. It's a bit annoying to see them play. So I mean, they stuff them. so well. <laughs> they are. I mean, on Boxing Day, they were so much better than we were on Boxing Day. Well, the, you know, the, embarrassing. The, so. the stand is going to be magnificent. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it is big. You don't um, see that. On, it's because that's on the TV that's, film. Yeah, that's yeah, away, isn't it? Yeah, so right, you yeah. don't see it. 
uh, you know, there's um, there's a, there's going to be a. It, it's interesting that in the late seventies, our chairman Ernie Clay, who is not very well liked <clears throat> amongst um, supporters, because he he was the one deemed that was going to get rid of Fulham. He said in the, about nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine, he said football clubs are a waste of time. He said you play twenty one games a year, and that's all the income you get. What we should be doing is building hotels, restaurants, yeah. cafes, so that we can generate money throughout the year, not just on one every other every other week. He was driven out, I, I think, I think, um, got abused, really, and you know, people saying, oh, you're ruining our football club. 50 years later, we're doing exactly what yeah. he said. Um, we're, we're opening a walkway up along there so people can walk along. You can have, you can have your afternoon lunch. You can have cafe, uh, tea, coffees, you're right on the river. And, and it generates money. We've got a spa going in there, um, hotel, um, and that, that money will help keep the, the club, uh, you know, on the front foot, I think. It, but unless it's not just the commercial thing. I've had this conversation with Steve Parrish a lot. It drives me up the wall that Sellers Park is only open one day out of 14, and the other 13 days, it's like, so in the last few years, Steve Parrish has done a brilliant job, and they've started to exploit the ground during the week, so his business lunches and business meetings, that's all great. But it should be open for the community. I mean, it's, it's brilliant that we've got a warm room now once a week where people who are struggling with their heating can go in and meet people. Read that's that's fantastic. But it should be open all year round for the community. There should be there should be citizens' advice there. There should be lunch clubs for elderly people. Yeah. There should be like indoor yeah, sports. There should be physical things for old people because it's just sitting there doing nothing, and you've got yeah. people all around the area, and it's a struggling area. Uh, and it's the same at Fulham. You know, people think, oh, West London is full of money. It's not. Hammersmith, and, there's a lot of struggling people around there. The ground should be open for everybody. The people should be idea. able to go there and see it. Uh, it should be a beacon mate, for the whole Yeah, community. like a hub. It should be a hub. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. A hub, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we do we, we do, do that at Fulham. We have, um, we have sessions there for people who can't uh, who have problems with memory. So they right, invite a, play, a player back. And as you know, people can remember... 30, 40 yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. but they can't remember last week. So they sit there and talk about, oh, I remember you in the cup final and uh, yeah, I remember, right. oh, Johnny Haynes and, and, and we, Fulham do that. We've been doing it for a long time with our foundation. Um, so we do we do um, include the local community. I think, you know, we're forerunners for that, really. When, when uh, those days you were talking about when you were bottom of the fourth division, um, we did a, a, a capital game there and uh, we, we took back several generations of Fulham players, Bobby Moore, uh, Tony Gale, Lee Warrior Senior, they're in the commentary box with me. And um, Gailey tells his story in his stand. He doesn't quite get it right. But anyway, but we were there and I was, <laughs> we, it was a windy night. It was an awful game. They were playing Grimsby. And um, it was it was, it was was a shocking game. Awful. Fulham were terrible in those days. And I'm, you know, I'm waxing lyrical about the wind and the, and the wind blowing people's hair around and hats off. And then a packet of crisps came on the pitch. And uh, a packet of crisps blew across and went into the Fulham penalty. And I got a packet of crisps gently trundling away there on the pitch <laughs> in the breeze. Now in the penalty area. Might have more fascination than Fulham strikers. And Bob, 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 Bobby's tapped me on the shoulder and he's passed me a little message and he's gone, yeah. Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were giving the, the Fulham goalkeeper some stick that night. I think it was Jim Stannard, you know. Yeah, I think Big it was Jim. Jim. 
Anyway, we were giving him some stick, and it was so, it was about three people at Craven Cottage. Yeah. Anyway, so you forget how loud you are when you're doing the commentary. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so we're giving him some stick, and, and they come off. And he was down there. He was at the Hammersmith end, so he's come right in front of us, right in front of the the, the commentary box. In, is in the little old wooden stand there, and um, still there. Anyway, yeah. so quite close to the pitch, and Jim's come running across. The rest of the players are veered to go down the tunnel, and Jim takes a little detour to come in front of us, and he shouted up. Yeah, thanks very much. I can hear every word you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Big Jim as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting the wrong side of Big Jim. Anyway, that yeah. that's uh, that brings us to the end of a, another episode of wow. the Football oh, well. Friendly. That's flown by. It has. Next time I won't do a 10-mile run. <laughs> yeah, halfway through. Uh, well, thanks ever so much Kevin Day and Les Strong for coming on oh it's, it's a pleasure mate absolutely it's pleasure. fantastic Brilliant. enjoyed it boys yeah, yeah enjoyed it while we're talking to Kevin there I have to tell everyone he's been fantastic to the Lily Foundation Les Strong Terry Alderton have been magnificent as well but Kevin Day every year organises a comedy day for us at the comedy store in London it's coming up in February Terry's on the bill mm. Kevin you, it, um, over the years you I can't thank you enough, mate. Yeah, the, num- Kev, the names the, you've got for us is fantastic. Yeah, you're the man, Kev. Oh, well, that, that, that's very kind of you. It, 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 it does give me two days of near heart attack <laughs> trying to get people lined Kevin up. Kevin here. Here, that's the text you get. <laughs> Kevin here. It's, well, it's tough because yeah, every time I text people, it seems to be asking them for a favour. But it, it, I think well, it's, it's become easier, John, uh, because people know the Lily Foundation now. People in the comedy world know about it and they're keen to do it. And we got... It's brilliant that Terry's doing it again this year. It's brilliant that um, Joe Pasquale's doing it. We've got Romish Ranganathan doing it, which is fantastic. We've got one more big name lined up, which I, I don't want to jinx by saying now, but it's always one of the best nights of the year at the store as well. So it's a, it's a pleasure to do it. And it's, I mean, it's one of those things you wish you didn't have to do it because of the circumstances of why the Lily Foundation was set up. But, and also, of course, now I can't wait because Liz got the MBE. Yeah. For, for so, which of course we all know should have gone to me for my basically <laughs> yeah. my hours my hours worth of work a year yeah. nothing but no, I'm looking forward <laughs> to it um, uh, it's it's always a great night and of course there's always your your father-in-law to yeah. listen and talk Palace about when he as each drink goes down <laughs> could, could I just add that um, yeah with the Lily Foundation yeah we all support it it's a, a fantastic uh, fantastic charity but uh, a few years back i can't remember it now um i organized um to try and raise money for them uh, to walk up mount snowden four times in four days by four different routes and um one of our panel here today suddenly uh, just before the day before suddenly had a, an injury i can't make oh. it I've, I've pulled a muscle in my leg and who do you think that achilles. would be i actually <laughs> oh, oh. my achilles <laughs> yeah there was a yeah. there was a bloke dressed as a diver behind you <laughs> <laughs> call back that was a late shout for an injury there I don't know. <laughs> i'm now going on another 10 mile run 20th, 20th of February. Uh, get your tickets for that comedy store in London, um, and we'll we'll see. Yeah, it will be a great night. I can't wait. Lovely chat. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming on, and thank you, Terry, again. Thank you, and don't forget you can get your podcast wherever you get your podcast and listen to this. And we're on Twitter as well at JPNT Football. Uh, until next time, thanks to Paul Daniels, the Magic Man <laughs> producer. See you later. Podcast Network.